Take your Bibles and turn or click to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. 20 and 21. Now, we're actually going to start reading at, uh, at verse 16. And our main focus is going to be verse 20. But uh, if you turn to any of those spots, you'll be where you need to be. Ambassadors for Christ, we are still casting our net. This is the second to the last message in the Cast Your Net series. And this morning we're talking about how we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, an ambassador represents uh, the home country's interests to a foreign country or, or a group. Uh, it's, uh, an ambassador is defined as an authorized messenger or representative. So if we take that definition, we can begin to see what this passage is talking about that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. But some, uh, just to give you a little idea of, of what U.S. ambassadorships have looked like in the past, some, some famous U.S. ambassadors, probably the, uh, the, the most important amb- ambassador the U.S. ever had was Benjamin Franklin as ambassador, ambassador to, to France. Now, he enjoyed all the perks of being in Paris, uh, but he also was the key instrument in getting uh, France to help out with the Revolutionary War. And if uh, Lafayette and uh, others had not come alongside the, uh, the, the, the colonies at that time in the war against Britain, we'd all have a different accent than we have now. And uh, so, so as far as American history is concerned, Ben Franklin would probably be the most important ambas- ambassador we've ever had. But other ambassadors that we've had, eight different presidents have served as ambassador, either before or after their time in office. There were a number of wannabe presidents that have been ambassadors, um, but uh, eight different presidents. Uh, you might not know that Abe Lincoln's son... Uh, Todd Lincoln was an ambassador. You might not know that JFK's daddy, Joseph Kennedy, was an ambassador. You also might not know that Shirley Temple was an ambassador. Shirley Temple, for you young folks, she was a child star uh, in the, somebody help me out, 40s? 30s, went further back, okay. Um, And she was an ambassador to Ghana and Czechoslovakia. Now, I don't know what made her qualified for that. Um, But anyway, she was. That's just some of that interesting uh, ambassador trivia that will come up someday when you're playing Trivial Pursuit and you need those answers. As mixed a bag as our U.S. ambassadors are, we as Christians are Christ's ambassadors, and we are equally a mixed bag. And that's why I point out to everybody from... uh, 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 presidents to, to child stars have been ambassadors. We are just as mixed up. That We are just as, uh, as varied in our personalities and our responsibilities as any U.S. ambassador or group of U.S. ambassadors have been, and yet God calls us all to be his ambassadors. We are all qualified and we are all called. So let's look at the passage this morning keeping in mind our ambassadorship, our individual ambassadorship, 
as we read what Paul wrote. We're going to start in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And Paul writes to the church there, From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. That verse should automatically ring a bell. If you've been here the last four, five, six weeks, we've talked about that verse once already. Even if I've known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. And now our focal passage for this morning. Therefore, therefore, all that stuff he's just said, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The broad context here of 2 Corinthians is Paul defending his missionary group against slander. Uh, he's already written 1 Corinthians, and it's a pretty harsh letter. He's calling out some folks, and folks don't like it. How many of you like to be called out? Raise your hands. That's what I thought. Uh, nobody likes to be called out. And Paul has written this letter to Corinthians, and actually uh, the, he, we know he wrote more than one letter to, uh, I mean, rather, more than two letters to the church in Corinth. Uh, one of them is lost, at least one of them is lost. So he, he wrote to them quite a few times saying, hey, folks, here, here, here are the things you've got to get together. And, and they didn't really appreciate it. So it created some issues when he uh, wrote the letter, and he wanted to come and talk to them personally and not just have it be in a letter, but it didn't work out that he, uh, that he was able to do that. So he had to write another letter saying, look, 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 look. I know that's how, uh, I know you didn't like that, but folks, this is, this is the message that we've got to uh, share, and we have to share it accurately. We have to live the example, uh, the exemplary life in Christ. We have to be, as we talked about last week, the correctly functioning church before we can have a, a culture of evangelism. All that is wrapped up in this broad context of what Paul is writing to the church in Corinth this second or third or fourth time. The specific context, though, these verses, he's using common evangelistic imagery to make a point to them. This is who we are, he is saying, as missionaries, as uh, him, he and, and, and Titus and others are. This is who we are as, uh, as missionaries. This is how we are to live. This is how we are to act. This is our message, he says. That message is, and here's your seminary word for the day, the kerygma. Uh, that's the Greek word for it. The, the proclamation of the gospel, the, the preaching of the gospel. This is the basic preaching message. And you can see this, uh, this formula he uses pretty much in all of his letters in some way. Jesus Christ was crucified, he was buried, and on three days, in three days he rose again. Believe, repent and believe. That's the basic message. That is the, the kerygma, and that's what he's using here in order to get the folks to understand, look, this is the most important 
thing. Our differences, our problems, sure, we've got to work those out. We've got to fix our problems. We've got to work out our differences and come together in unity. Uh, we, we have to understand that folks will come and go in, in Corinthians. He talks about putting some folks out of the church until they learn their ways. All that has to happen in order that the message never get lost. And here is the message that he's talking about. Verses 20 and 21, this description of himself as an ambassador, but also, by extension, description of the Corinthians, description of all Christians as ambassadors. There's just a double meaning here in what he's saying. It's, it's what he is and what they should also be. So that's our message this morning, that we are ambassadors. So let's look through this verse 20, and we're going to take it word for word or phrase by phrase and see what it means to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. First thing Paul says in verse 20 is, therefore, and the very bad preacher joke is, you have to know what therefore is there for. And we're going to look at that. Therefore is there for primarily those verses 16 through 19 that come before it. But really, it's, it goes back even further than that, deep into chapter 5 and maybe all the way back to 4 or chapter 3. But we specifically see him building on what he says in verses 16 through 18. Verse 16, he tells us that we must see people as Jesus sees them. We must see people as hurting, as lost, as in need of a Savior. We see people uh, not with human eyes, but with God's eyes. Uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago. See them, the imago dei, the image of God. We see that they are God's people, God's creation. They're not God's people until, I, I misspoke there, they're not God's people until they trust Christ for salvation, but they are his creation. They are his, uh, uh, in his image, they are loved by him, they are desired by him, therefore we see them through those eyes. Therefore, since we see people as Jesus sees them, verse 17, since Jesus makes us brand new, a new creation, a new creature, uh, something totally different, the new has come, he says. So we see people as who they are. They are either lost or they're saved, and even if they're lost, God's lo God loves them and we have a message for them. But when they come to Christ, they're brand new. So if you are a believer, you are different from how you were. That means we as believers need to see each other as new creatures, new creations, not perfect. But yet, brothers and sisters, part of a family that must come together in unity for the message. Verse 18, he says that since God has reconciled himself, uh, reconciles, uh, reconciled man to himself and, and uses us in the process. That's what verse 18 is telling us. God's doing the work, but he uses us. Verse 19, he reiterates that, phrases it just slightly different, and says Jesus is the means of that re reconciliation. God has reconciled himself to man, by or reconciled man rather, to himself, and he used uh, Jesus as the means to do that, but we are the means of sharing that message. Notice how we have nothing to do with actual salvation, either of ourselves or other people. We are only message carriers. Does that sound like an ambassador? It should. 
Ambassadors don't make laws. Uh, ambassadors don't make rules. And, and ambassadors don't make decisions. Ambassadors represent the interests of their home country to a foreign country or group. We are aliens in a strange land, the Bible says. This is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven, Hebrews tells us. Therefore, we, while on earth, are ambassadors to a lost world. But this is not our home. This is not where we will stay. So, therefore, since we see people as Jesus sees them, and since Jesus makes everybody that comes to Jesus, it comes to him for salvation brand new, and since God reconciles men to himself by using uh, Jesus as the means and us as the conduit of that message, therefore, he says, we are ambassadors. And that's the next phrase in this passage. We are ambassadors. So I've already told you, Representatives of, a, of another country to uh, representative of a country to another country. They don't make rules. They don't make the laws. They only represent and give information that they are told to. So what what does that look like? Well, we've got a few other things here. As ambassadors, we work for someone else, not ourselves. Ambassadors don't uh, aren't aren't the the uh, the authority. Our ambassadors aren't the ones that make decisions. Ambassadors get the note, the email, the phone call, and then they share that information with whatever country or whatever group they are assigned to. They don't represent themselves. Uh, they represent someone else's interests. And ideally, an ambassador agrees with the governing authority that sends it. It's a problem if you don't. And if you don't, you're not going to be the ambassador too much longer. The ambassador represents the interests of the home country. If, if the U.S. says to England, hey, we want this to occur, and they send that message to the ambassador, and the ambassador says, that's stupid. We're not going to tell them that. Throws it aside. They are no longer an ambassador. They... By definition, they're no longer an ambassador, whether they had the position or not, because they are not representing the interests of the home country. We represent someone else's interests as ambassadors for Christ. But that's the definition of an ambassador. Ambassadors speak carefully. I probably wouldn't be a good ambassador, not governmental. Uh, ambassador. I'm, I'm, I'm not the greatest Christian ambassador, but I'm, I'm thinking it, it, I would not make the best ambassador for a government because I, I, might, uh, I might have my notes, but I might veer off the notes a little bit sometimes and, and have this brilliant idea I want to share with the, uh, the representative from the other country and accidentally start a war or something, and I, I don't, wouldn't want to do that. We have to speak carefully as an ambassadors. Y'all, this reflects uh, the, the ambassadorship, speaking carefully as an ambassador, reflects what we should do as Christians talking to, living in an unsaved, a lost, and unbelieving world. We must speak carefully. We have to be careful what we say. We have to be careful how we say it. And y'all, I am a huge, huge fan of social media. I'm on it all the time. I admit that. But it is a bane to the Christian's existence because we can say things on social media we would never say in person, number one. 
We would never say those sorts of things to somebody's face, but we'll certainly post it on social media and, and call some folks out that we think may or may not uh, ever see it. The second thing we do on social media is we think uh, 10, 15, 20 words encapsulates the entire idea of an issue or the answer to a particular issue. It is amazing how much we, have, we think we can fix politics by a picture of some elected official and a sentence that says, do you think so-and-so was good at what he did? Yes, no. Well, thank you. That, that solves all of our political issues. Appreciate that. It, we as Christians represent a different country. We as Christians are ambassadors of Christ, we're going to see here in just a second. Not ambassadors of the U.S., not ambassadors of our Democrat Party or our Republican Party. We are not ambassadors of anything but Jesus, and therefore we must speak carefully. And that means on social media as well, and yes, I am listening to my own sermon. Those of you who are thinking, well, I've seen his social media posts. Yes, I know, and I've gotten better, believe it or not. The next thing ambassadors are, are bold and clear. We must speak carefully, but we must speak boldly and clearly. We must be intent about the message we have to share. An ambassador to a country does not want, to, want their message, unless it is deliberately convoluted, does not want that message to be convoluted. The ambassadors uh, from Japan in 1941, uh, on December 6th, 1941, were not giving a clear message. They were saying one thing while bombers were flying from uh, aircraft carriers in the Pacific toward Hawaii, doing something else. The message was not clear. The message was uh, bold, <laughs> but it was not clear. Folks, we cannot be duplicitous as Christians. We cannot bait and switch. We cannot put up one thing as what God wants or what Jesus says when in fact something else is the case. We have to be clear. But there will be times when ambassadors have to say the hard things. Ambassadors have to go to their uh, consulate their, their country's ambassador and say, look, if you continue down this path as a country, our response as a country will be A, B, and C. And there's nothing I as an ambassador can do about it. Folks, we have to be just as bold in our gospel message. If you continue down the path of sin... If you continue down the path of rejecting Christ as your Savior, the result is damnation in hell. That is bold. That is clear. It's not nice, not soft and fuzzy, not, not comforting, but it is true. And ambassadors must be bold and clear. Ambassadors have to trust the authority of the message. Ambassadors have to know that when they make a, a presentation, when they go to the appointed place and say, here is the message, they have all the backup of their home-sending country behind them. 
Because an ambassador doesn't want to get to a place where he gives a message and then he calls, and, and then that, that, that government leader on the other side calls back to the home country and says, your ambassador just told me this. Is that true? And they say, I don't know what he's talking about. I never heard of that guy. Who's he again? Wait, spell his name because I don't know. No, nobody by that name here. You know, that is not the message that we have to share as Christians. We can trust the authority of our message. Thus saith the Lord. So that's all we have to worry about. Our message is clear. Our message is uh, trustworthy. An ambassador along these lines also doesn't know what the listening audience is going to do with that message. Oh, he, he hopes we're going to avoid war. We, he hopes we're going to avoid any sort of conflict that will work everything out, that we can have this discussion, that the person he's talking to will respond positively. But ultimately, the ambassador does not know what the result will be of his message, yet he still delivers the message clearly, boldly, carefully, trusting the authority of that message. And then finally, as ambassadors, and I don't know if this works in the government, but in the Christian life, the ambassador cannot lose heart. Because the, the message we have to share and the people to whom we must share it will reject us. Every, well not every time, all the time, regularly, we will be rejected. If, if, if you share the gospel regularly and every person you share the gospel with accepts the gospel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say you're not sharing the gospel. Because narrow is the path and narrow is the gate and few are those who find the, the salvation of the gospel message if everybody's coming to Jesus when you share Jesus then I'm not sure which Jesus you're sharing because Jesus is a stumbling block few will come to him but we must not lose heart we've got to understand that is what will happen we will face dead ends we will face no's we will face not now's we will face possibly even war, persecution, and death because of the message we share as ambassadors. Ambassadors have died in the line of duty. Uh, the list I found had about eight or ten different ambassadors from the U.S. over the years that have died. Some by accident, some in the midst of some sort of rebellion or war. It happens. Being an ambassador is not a safe job. And yet we are called to be ambassadors. Therefore, we are ambassadors, Paul says, for Christ. So if you haven't gotten it already, we represent Jesus and no one else. Folks, we do not represent us. You do not represent you. I do not represent me. Growing up, uh, maybe you were told, remember who you are. In my case, you're a Linton. Remember your name. As important as my last name is to me, it, it, pale, it pales in comparison to the name of Christ that I carry. I am now a Christian before I am a Linton. I am now a I want some more amens on that one. You are a Christian before you are a nunnally. Before you are a... Uh, I'm losing last names. I'm trying to come up with them. I'm looking at J.R. Magel, and I couldn't come up with his last name. You are a Christian before you are a Myers. You are a Christian before you are any name you have been given by people, by humans. You are a Christian before you are a sulfurite. 
You are a Christian before you are in a Louisianan. You are a Christian before you're an American. You are a Christian first. You represent Christ and nowhere else. Folks, you're a Christian before you are a member of First Baptist Church Sulphur. You do not represent our church. You do, but that's not your focus. That is not what matters. What matters is how you represent Christ. If you represent Christ well, you will always represent the church well. If you represent Christ well, you will always represent your family well. If you represent Christ well, you will always represent your country well. But you must first represent Christ. That is our calling. We represent Jesus and no one else. He is the only one we are trying to please. So if it doesn't please your family that you represent Christ well, so be it. If it doesn't represent your political party well that you represent Christ well, so be it. It does not matter who it does not please. It only matters that it pleases Christ. We as ambassadors are obedient to the one sending regardless of the cross. Uh, cost. Well, cross, yeah, that works too, right? Regardless of the cross cost. Ambassador Stevens, Chris Stevens, who died in uh, Libya here, the most recent ambassador to die in the line of duty, felt that it was worth the cost to be there. Regardless of uh, the, the politics of the situation, what you believe about the situation, how the situation came to pass, he knew he was in a country that overall has been and will probably continue to be hostile to the United States. He knew the risk of him being there, and he took that risk anyway. Doesn't mean I'm justifying his death in any way. I'm just telling you, he knew what could happen. Folks, as Christians, regardless of what it costs us, we must, obe must be obedient to the one who sends us. We count the cost, Paul said. We count it joy to suffer, we are told. You will have trials and tribu tribulations. You will have suffering in this world, Jesus told us. But rejoice, he has overcome the world. That is who we represent. And then we trust Jesus for the results. We are bold and clear in our message. We, are, uh, we speak carefully, but we speak of Jesus and we leave the results up to him. You have nothing to do with the salvation of anyone. You carry the message. You share the message. But you do not have control over whether that person comes to Christ or not. It does not matter your, your view of God's sovereignty, whether you believe that God chooses everyone who will be saved or whether you believe that everyone who uh, is saved has chosen God. Regardless of your view of that, you as the messenger still can't control that. Only the person, it is only between the person and God. Only God knows who will accept him. God, the Holy Spirit, draws them. The results are completely out of the messenger's hands. Now, we do have some small part in that. And we'll see that in two points from now. But we represent Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. There in verse 20. Since God is making his appeal. Whose appeal? God's appeal. Your appeal? Good answer. No. It's not your message. 
It is not our message. It is God's message. We as ambassadors have only one message to share, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we may couch that in a number of different ways, and we see uh, the next bullet point there is this applies to our ministries as a church as well. We only have one message. Our message is not come to First Baptist Sulphur where your kids have fun. Our message is not come to First Baptist Sulphur where our senior adults have a number of activities they can be involved in. Our message is not come to First Baptist Church where you can be uh, involved in numerous music activities. Our message is not come to First Baptist Church Sulphur where you can hear sometimes okay preaching. Our message is not come to First Baptist Church Sulphur so you can get your needs met. Our message is come to Jesus Christ where you can find redemption for your soul and forgiveness for your sins. If our message is anything other than that, we've got the wrong message. It is His appeal, not our appeal. It is His message and not our message. Since God is making His appeal through us, there we are again, y'all ambassadors, we have the responsibility. But since he's making that appeal through us, we plead, we plead, we beg, we cajole, we don't coerce, but we over and over and over share the message. This is not one and done sharing. I, I, I've, I heard a, a good friend of mine, a man I respect, say that in the Bible, you never see Jesus going back to somebody again. He shares the message, and if they don't accept it, he moves on. And I, I think he's right. I, I can't think of a time where Jesus went back uh, numerous times, although uh, I would think when he spent months in a particular city, that people heard the message over and over. His point was that you share the message once, and if they don't accept it, you move on. I don't see that in Scripture, though. I certainly don't see that as a command. I see Paul, as we talked about in Romans this morning, begging God to, to save his people, yearning for the salvation of the Jews. So much so that at one point he said, if I could give up my own salvation to see the Jews saved, I would. I don't see that as a one and done. Well, they heard the message, I'm done with them. See, we plead. Our message is too important to retreat at rejection. If, if, if I thought that we could share the message once and be done and be over with, it'd be over with, most Sundays what I would do is I would scan the crowd and say, you know what, most everybody that's here, I imagine they're probably a Christian. I'm not going to share the gospel this morning. Or I look at people and say, yeah, all these people have been here so many times. They've heard the gospel. I'm not going to do it again. They had their chance. That is not what we see Paul doing. That is not what ambassadors do. Ambassadors don't go to the country they are sent to. Uh, 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 they are sent into to represent their home country. They don't go to that country and say, look. Y'all, here's the deal. They say y'all because they're from the South. Look, y'all, if, if this does not stop, we are going to bomb you. Okay, I'm, I'm going home now, thanks. And they go home. And if it stops, well, good. 
But if it doesn't, well, I told them that one time. Ambassadors are constantly... I, I, I think of how many times Reagan met with Gorbachev or uh, various people in the party, and, and those are the times we see in our government. We have no idea what's going on behind the scenes, as we're finding out right now. Uh, we have no clue what is happening. How many phone calls are made? How many letters are sent? How many uh, underlings are sent to talk to each other about different points? Over and over and over the conversation is had. We have got to stop this somehow, and we've got to work together on it. That is the pleading we see here with Paul. Plead with people to accept the gospel. We plead that, and we continue on the verse, on Christ's behalf. That's who we're pleading for, right? Because we're ambassadors for Christ. We plead, be reconciled to God. That's the message. Not, we plead that you stop drinking. Not, that we plead you stop uh, uh, lusting. Not that we plead you stop being a homosexual. Not that we plead you stop doing anything. Not that we plead some sort of moralism that will send you as quickly to hell as an amoral society will. Not some blanket, oh, just be a good person. Not a, a pleading of... God loves you and you're okay, but we plead that you would be reconciled to God. Our message, our only message is salvation. Our responsibility, our only responsibility is to share that message of salvation. You want to see this picture of an ambassadorship even more clearly? Our message is, uh, to two, is, 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 is in the midst of two opposing enemies. That's what our ambassadorship is. We as Christians are sent as an ambassador to the enemies of God. Enemies of God who have lost. The battle's over. The war's over anyway. The battle may still be raging, but the war is over. The decision has been made without Christ, John 3 17, 18, something along in there says, if you have not accepted Christ, you are already condemned. Your condemnation without Christ right now is secure. It is sure. You are a defeated enemy of God right now if you have not accepted Christ. And we as ambassadors are taking a message of victory for you. You see how messed up that is? God has won. And he is offering peace terms. It's, and, and peace terms that, that don't just end the battle, but elevate the defeated. In the Revolutionary War, if we had done that with Britain, it, what we would have said was something along the lines of, Hey, hey Britain, we've won, but... Here are the peace terms. We want to make you a, a part of America, equal, equal to everybody here. You know, uh, the, you, we're we're going to bring you into the fold. And maybe that would have been a good idea. I don't know. Maybe we tried. I don't know. But it doesn't really make sense because when you have an enemy, normally you want to crush the enemy, defeat the enemy. 
we are already defeated as unbelievers, as lost people. And yet the peace terms are, be a part of our, our country. Be a part of our community. Be a part of my family, God says. So our ambassadorship is not an easy one. Uh, we can all imagine how Great Britain would have responded. Hey, I, we beat you. You, you, you want to be a part of America now? No. Bad British accent. Uh, they, they would have scoffed. It would have been a much longer no. They would have had some much prettier way of saying it. Um, but they would have said no. No, I'm not going to be a part of, 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 of you rebels, you, you, you scalawags, you whatever it's. No, no. And yet God offers that to us, to the unbelieving world. that says, we are enemies, but I don't want you to be an enemy anymore. That is our message. How does that work? Well, see, God didn't just declare by fiat, you can be on my side. There was a transaction. There was... Uh, an offering, there was uh, a working of salvation and we see that in verse 21 and we're not going to spend a lot of time here but I want you to see it God, he, he made the one who did not know sin, Jesus to be sin for us to take our sin to, 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 to live perfectly and yet be as if he had been a sinner so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We go from enemy to the righteousness of God. We, we go from sinner, corrupt, evil, depraved to having God's righteousness. We go from Lost, unable to, to save ourselves, unable to do anything about our sin, completely consumed by it, to the point where now when Christ, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus, not us. In Christ, I'm sinless. I don't get it, but I am. Because he made him who, who had no sin, who did not know sin, to be sin for, for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I have the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. I sin and, and, and I have the same issues, but in God's economy, in the right now, not yet, already not yet world of God, I'm sin free. I'm forgiven. That's how it can happen. That's the transaction that took place. Y'all, that is the message that we as ambassadors of, uh, ambassadors of Jesus have to share with everybody. There's nobody who's not worthy of the gospel. There's no one about whom we can say they don't deserve to be saved. Unless we're saying it about ourselves, because we certainly know ourselves well enough to know we don't deserve to be saved, and yet God saved us through Christ anyway, by His grace, through our faith. We have that message to take to others. So the gospel 
the message that we have to share is that God is a holy and just God. And he will judge sin. He will not allow sin to continue. He is patient, but he is not forgetful. He will not let it go forever. He will judge sin. We are those who will receive the judgment. We are willfully sinful and fallen, and we are destined for everlasting torment and judgment apart from God. A Christless, Christless hell is our eternity if we do not accept salvation through Jesus Christ. But God made him who had no sin. Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, took our place and took our sin on the cross. A transaction occurred. We should have been there. We weren't. Our sin should have put us there. He took that sin as well. He died for everyone, and three days later, he rose again. And then we can repent of our sin. We can place our faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation by believing in him, by trusting in him for our salvation, and then we live for him. We confess him. We put verbal words to what we say is in our heart. We make a, a commitment by our confession that says, I am his, and I will be his for the rest of my life. I will live for him. This morning, you can experience that salvation. doesn't matter how many times you've heard the gospel. doesn't matter how many times you've heard it explained. doesn't matter how many times you've said no. This morning, you can say yes to Jesus. You can trust him for salvation. You can repent of your sins, turn to him, and begin today to live for him until he takes you home to, an, uh, to eternity. As we talked about in Sunday school, it is a simple, simple thing to do to trust Christ, to believe, to experience salvation. But you have got to make the decision to do it, and that's where the hard part, and that's where the work comes in. This morning, as an ambassador, ambassador for Christ, standing before you, I plead with you to accept Christ for salvation today. Trust Him. Repent of your sin. And give your life to Him. Let's pray. Father, Lord, you have entrusted, as all governments do with their ambassadors, you have entrusted us with an amazingly vital message. God, may we be faithful to your kingdom in sharing that message. May we be clear about what the message is, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing else. Let us not get bogged down in things of this world, in pointless arguments about genealogies and any number of other things that, can, that uh, Paul wrote about that will distract us from the one message we have as your ambassadors, to share Jesus with a lost world. God, may we be worthy ambassadors of your kingdom. As Christians, may we commit sharing that message everywhere, every time, every opportunity, as ambassadors should. We don't have a, a, a building, we don't have a consulate, we don't have a, a person, we have the world to which we are ambassadors. 
and I pray that we would be faithful in that. Lord, this morning, if there's somebody here that does not know as you know you know your son as Savior, you would send your Holy Spirit already here, already working on hearts, but may your Holy Spirit draw that one or two to make a decision for Jesus today. May we rejoice with them in that decision, Lord, as they trust in Jesus, repent of their sins, and commit their lives to follow you. Lord, you do a mighty work this morning in this place among these people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what's your response this morning? How should you respond? Do you need to trust Christ, accept, believe, confess, commit? Do you need to to join our church, be a part of this family? Do you need as a Christian to say, I've not been the ambassador I should have been. I have not represented my Savior the way I should. I have not shared the message that I was given. I've gotten bogged down in other politics, and I mean that generally, not specifically. Other things I need to come back and recommit to my calling as an ambassador. Uh, Maybe you just want to pray up here. Uh, We call it an altar. This isn't an altar. It's a rail by the piano. But we come to the cross. The cross is our altar. And we symbolically come here and we bow down and we say, Lord, in your presence today, physically, I'm going to do something different. And that's why we come up here and pray. Maybe you'd like me to pray with you. Maybe you'd like to share your decision to follow Christ. I'll pray with you. I'll rejoice with you, but that prayer doesn't do it. You making a decision in your heart is what saves you. And maybe you want to share that with us this morning. Whatever your decision is, as we sing, as we stand, you pray and you do business with God this morning.